This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Winging It Podcast. Hello and welcome into Winging It, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm your host, Annie Finberg, joined by the 1920 NBA Sportsmanship Award winner, my co-host, Mr. Vince Carter. <laughs> yeah, VC's in the house. They, they caught me by surprise on that one, man. Uh, I was literally sitting on air and they had this something sitting in between RJ and Rachel. And I was going to ask him, I was like, what's that? But I was like, whatever, we didn't have enough time. And we go on air. As soon as we go on air, Rachel's like, oh, Vince, I bet you're wondering what's that. I was like, yeah, man, what's that? I was going to ask. And that's when I found out what was going on. I was like, what? I, like, It was just, it was totally, caught me way off guard. So, Well, congratulations. I think, as everyone knows, you are definitely, your sportsmanship is top notch. After practicing it for 22 seasons, you got it down, Pat. I learned from some of the best. Here's one. Well, I'm going to go ahead and intro our guests. We are so excited to have Super Bowl champ, six-time Pro Bowler, the bus, Jerome Bettis. <laughs> yes, Thank sir. You. That sounds like some goat stats. Yeah. Some goat stats for sure. <laughs> yes. Decent. Decent. Not not uh, not goat, but decent. Good enough to get in the Hall of Fame? Okay, cool. 100%. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Well, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. I was so glad Vince was able to get you here. I know it's a special day for you and your wife, so we will make it snappy. So let's just jump right in. How's everyone doing? I'm a little bit frazzled. I just got out of Hawks mini camp for 10 days straight, so I apologize. Vince, you might have to do some of the hosting tonight. No, all good. Well, I'll, I'll jump right in. it. We, well, well, let's go here. We talked about the Hall of Fame, and, and we may work our way around, but how was that for you? I mean, I know as a as an athlete, we, we come into the sport wanting to you know maximize our talent be the best and everything? Was it like, you know, I know for you, hell, I want to win a Super Bowl. I want to be the best. And hopefully Hall of Fame uh, comes with that. When you receive that call, tell us about it. Take us through that. Well, for, for first of all, for me, it was, it was pretty unique because I started out not really wanting all of the accolades and all that. I started out wanting to get a scholarship to college. I didn't play football until my freshman year of high school. So I, it, it wasn't like, you know, this was something that was, you know, deep inside of me. And, and this, was a, this was a means to an end. I was trying to get a college scholarship. I thought that I was a decent player. I, you know, I played in the neighborhood. And my uncle, who was a football coach, saw me, said, hey, I think you could play. I, I went out my freshman year. I played. I enjoyed it. I got better. And then, as it turns out, I fell in love with the game. But initially, that was never the goal to be this Hall of Fame football player. So for me, it was, you know, the means to the end. I got to Notre Dame. 
once I got to Notre Dame, I didn't think I was like pro ready. What happened is, you know, I got going and got going. And before you know it, they were saying, I was, he's going to leave and enter into the, the draft. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm not good enough. But as it turns out, it happened, got to the NFL, and then it, it changed again. So I played fullback at Notre Dame. I never, I played tailback, you know, a couple times in a game. I started at tailback one game, and all of a sudden, I get drafted, and they want me to play tailback, a totally different position than I played in, in college. So now here I am trying to learn a new position in the NFL. Uh, and so for me, I had to learn how to spin move, learn how to stiff arm. I didn't do any of that. I was a fullback. I just tried to run guys over. Run people over. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Having to learn all of this and then to have the career that I had, that was that was a really special part. And then to obviously get the phone call to go into the Hall of Fame, that was a magical moment because, you know, it was one of those I would always hear because it, I went in, I think, on my fifth year, I think, of eligibility. So I would always hear, you know, hey, Jerome, uh, you know, the first four years I didn't get in. They said, you're a Hall of Famer in my book. And I would t- I would want to say to him, nobody reads your book. Reads your book. <laughs> <laughs> nobody cares about your book, right? I mean, so it was frustrating initially. And then when I got the call, it was just like an enormous weight was lifted. It was the moment that um, after having played it and falling in love with the game, wanting to be the best player I could be every single day, that was the byproduct of going out and wanting to win a championship. And, and it, it fortunately happened for me. And it was, um, it was a special, special call when they, uh, when they told me that I was in. I can't imagine. Cannot imagine. Well, you better get ready to imagine, exactly. Vince. <laughs> crazy. I'm, I'm assuming Vince will be getting that call yeah, one of these days. We, we hope. Everyone calls him future Hall of Famer. Everyone's like, the future Hall of Famer, Vince Carter, the future Hall of Famer. I, yeah. So it just, it fits. But you don't like it. And I, yeah. I know because people say, oh, yeah, you'll, you'll be in the Hall of Fame. It's like, it's like, I hear you, but let's wait until that call actually gets here. <laughs> let's wait until it's formalized and I got yeah. my jacket and it's the ceremony. And then that's when you can rest and be comfortable uh, with your place in history. So I want to ask you, obviously, you spent a majority of your career with the Steelers, who's tied uh, with the Patriots for the most Super Bowl wins. Um, As someone who's been like within that organization, what makes them so special and consistently great? Well, I think it starts with the ownership. Uh, The ownership, for one, they expect uh, a certain level of, of competition. And it all started years and years ago when they were able to draft the right players and build a culture that was, you know, winning championships. And so, as it turns out, that standard uh, and expectation kind of kept going throughout the years. And so, as a player, when we come into that door of the facility, you come there understanding the expectation that's being asked of you as a player. And they make no bones about it. You walk in, you see all those trophies. They're right there. And it's like, okay, here it is. You know, this is a championship organization. And that's what they want you to see from the minute you walk in the door. And, and so once you do that as a player, you understand hey, this is the expectation. And if I don't live up to that expectation, I may not be here long. So you understand that. But then they welcome you in, and the culture is that of uh, a family, 
the ownership, they're there every day, the Roonies, they're in the office every day. If you got a question, you can go and knock on the door and and go have a have a conversation. It's not like that with a lot of organizations. And so I think it starts with the ownership and it, it bleeds down to the to coaches because they walk the same line that the 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 ownership you know wants in terms of wanting to be a winning franchise. But they also understand that we're human and we need to have certain things from a head coach perspective. And all we want is transparency and honesty. And when they provide that, then you run through a brick brick wall for them. So you won a Super Bowl with them. I'm curious about your Super Bowl ring. How often do you wear it? And like, like where do you, I know a lot of people keep it in a safe or whatever, but like, how often do you bring it out? Great question. Um, the, the Super Bowl ring, I don't wear it that often. I only normally wear it for television purposes and when when it's like the week of the Super Bowl mm. because that gives you the legitimacy in that moment to, to be able to critique and talk about the Super Bowl and the, the whole experience. And so that's usually the only time that I really wear it. But the unique story about that is I got a chance to design our Super Bowl ring. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, it started because I was, after we won the game, we were in Detroit, my hometown, and it was just an incredible moment. I did not lose sight of that opportunity. So we're in the locker room, everybody's cheering, going crazy, and throwing champagne, all this stuff. The first thing I thought about was the ring, and I saw the owner, uh, Mr. Rooney, on the other side, and he's no longer with us, and he was a, yeah. a great man, but I, 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 I took a beeline over to him. I said, Mr. Rooney, I want to be part of the committee to help design the Super Bowl ring. And he said, uh, okay, Jerome, it'll be me and you. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that committee. <laughs> I wasn't asking for that. I was just saying, just put me on the list. Right. And he was like, no, it'll be me and you. And so I was like, great. Well, a couple months pass. He gave me a call. I think it's like in March. He says, hey, uh, no, April. I think it was about April. Yeah, April, early May. He says, Jerome, um, could you come in town? I want uh, to start designing a ring. I said, I'll be there. So I go there, and his first design was awful. It was <laughs> one diamond in the middle of the ring. It was like, it's like a, a graduation ring or something. It was just one diamond in the middle. And I was like, and so I had to, to, to think, like, how can I get all these diamonds in the ring? I said, Mr. Rooney, what you got to understand is this does not represent all that we've gone through as players. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, we walked through this facility. We see those at the time it was they, don't, they had won four. This was the fifth uh, Super Bowl ring. I said, we see those four championships Every day, and we, you know, and and we want to be part of that. And he said, "Well, I thought you guys wanted to be separate." And I said, "No, no, 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 no. We want to be part of that. We help, you know, to to keep that standard alive. We want to be part of that success. We don't want to be individual." And so he's like, "Oh, okay." I said, "So yes, we want to we want to make sure all those rings. So the NFL, if you win a Super Bowl, you get to put." that Super Bowl on there. So if you win five, you get to have five diamonds on there. So I said, Mr. Rooney, this is the fifth championship. We need to have five diamonds. And so we ended up getting five Lombardi diamond trophies on the front and with 
That's awesome. Pick one in the middle with a big diamond. So I was able to convince him that we needed to, to you know, be inclusive right. in the championships. And so we got all the diamonds on, which my teammates told me before this all started, we want to iced out or we're going to kill you. And I'm just saying, <laughs> oh, my God, they're going to kill me because he only wants to put one diamond on there. So I, I, I made it happen. That's a great story. Uh, hey, and let me ask this. Speaking of rings, what? where does the, the, your Super Bowl ring of that year compare to what they look like now? That's a good question. Oh, good question. Yeah, not even close. It's so, I mean, huge. The now, my, mine is, is, is very small. It's, it's in relationship to these other ones. I right. mean, it's not even close. It's a nice ring. It's got, you know, diamond. But when you see the ones now, you're like, whoa. So you look at yours back then, it was like, boy, I got the biggest ring. And, and now, like, you got, I like this, I got a promise ring now. <laughs> what happened was a couple of years later, they win the Super Bowl again, right? So it's only, it's, it's like a lot of the same guys on the team. And a lot of guys got two rings. So they got the one that, that I decided, they got this big old thing next to it. I'm like, hey, y'all go making me look bad. <laughs> Make you look bad. <laughs> They be like, hey, they hold them both up and be like, yo, the bus, he designed this one. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. He fell short on this one. Right. It looks better. There's the other, the sixth one is bigger, but mine looks better. No, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. So uh speaking of this year's Super Bowl rings, how about them Chiefs though? They've been looking good, huh? Uh, <laughs> oh. Okay, okay. I, hey, you know what though? That is great. They finally won a championship after <laughs> all those years. That I, I am, I know, I'm happy. I feel like there's some shade in there. No. It's, it's only been like, what, 50, 60 years? That's all I'm saying. I mean, mm-hmm. 60 years, one championship, that's great. <laughs> it is. <laughs> See, that is shade. That was, hey, that was well done, though. Th- that you're an antagonist. You're, no, I'm just saying, it was, so I just good. thought it was well done. I thought it was it's well Some delivered. Organizations have never won one. You look at the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, you know, they haven't won one. They probably won't ever win one. Oh, <laughs> that's shit. <laughs> that's shit. <laughs> well, and the Chiefs look great right now. They're undefeated. They just beat the what was that Ravens? There's a couple so. of undefeated teams. Well, whatever. The Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl again, and that's all that matters. Well, they've got a great chance. I, I, I think when you look at Patrick Mahomes, he's the the best player in the NFL right now, uh, hands down. But what you also have to understand is when you play 16 weeks, there is a really good chance that the entire group of players that you start with won't be the group that you end the year with. So with that being said, you still have to get lucky. uh, If you want, you can be the best team, but but you have to be the lucky team to have all your players at the end of the season that can compete for a championship. So, you know, you, we can say they're the best team now, but it can very easily change. You make a great point. Because I wonder how many people, uh, you know, in the world, Chiefs fans or, you know, for example, who actually think about that. You know, they don't think, particularly if you've never played the sport, been a part around the sport, that's something that you don't, you don't really factor in. No, they, you know, you never factor in injury. You always say, oh, well, we're going to be fine. You see how well we're doing now. But you, you, you know, people fail to realize how physical the game is, and that you know you've got to try to prepare sixteen weeks, one week at a time. You could play a tough game, and in three or four days, you got to be getting ready. 
for that next game. I mean, and it it's a battle of attrition because, you know, after week 12, 13, nobody feels good. Everybody's, you know, limping around because everybody's beat up to a degree. And now it's just a, ma- a matter of, of, you know, who still has enough left. And who can stay the healthiest. Yeah, who can stay the healthiest. So it, I, I think it's still going to be uh, up in the air, although the Chiefs are definitely the class of the NFL right now. You've got you've to say that. I appreciate that. For sure. Um. <laughs> right, but why do why, why do fans think that that's? Oh, thank you. That's that's that was geared to that was that was talking about the Chiefs. You said you took credit for that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that is so. That is something else. I tell you. Oh, you're funny. Winging it is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The NBA Finals are here, and FanDuel Sportsbook is ready to support your betting needs during the NBA Finals. FanDuel Sportsbook has over 400 NBA betting markets, not counting tens of thousands of the same game parlay combinations with markets as granular as first quarter player points and player to make miss first field goal. FanDuel Sportsbook also has topical pregame super boosts and in-game boosts so you can continue getting the best odds and promotions throughout. Don't forget their same-game parlays. FanDuel Sportsbook is the only place with same-game parlay for the finals, where you combine multiple bets from one matchup or team into a single parlay. That's a lot of reasons to try FanDuel Sportsbook, but here's one more. Right now, new users can place their first bet on FanDuel Sportsbook risk-free and get up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win. Seriously, there's no strings attached. Just place any bet you want. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you'll get your entire bet up to $1,000 back in site credit. If I was to use my risk-free bet during the next game, I would probably use it for the player to make or miss their first field goal. Seems like a safe but functional bet for me. If sports betting is legal in your state, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to place your NBA Finals bets. If not, go play the final single game contest with FanDuel Fantasy. And if you're new, be sure to sign up with promo code WING so they know I sent you. That's promo code WING. Disclaimer, 21 and up and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, or Iowa. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Colorado, call 1-800-522-4700. Or in Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? 
you take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, okay, let's talk about you again. So you retired after 13 seasons, 13 years, and you you retired at the top of your career, whereas Vince has been in this for ages, like, you know, for as long as I've been alive, pretty much. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Almost. You know, he stayed a few more years past. So what was it hard for you to leave the game at that point? You know what? It, it was it was hard, but it wasn't that hard. I had tried to retire actually a year before I actually retired. Yeah. We lost uh, in the championship game. We were playing the, uh, New England. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, okay, 12 years. I've given it all I can give. I, you know, I'm, I'm running on fumes. I'm done. So I go after the game was over. I talked to our head coach. I asked him, could I talk to the team? I talked to the team and I told him, you know, I was retiring. And I thanked them for being great teammates. And everybody's crying. I'm crying. They're crying. And this was the, the meeting after the last game and so the head coach said hey don't don't make a harsh decision right now you got a lot of emotions going so uh i said okay yeah i think about it well just so happens that i was uh elected to go to the pro bowl uh that year and so the pro bowl the way it worked then it doesn't work this way now the coaches for the Steelers because we lost lost in a championship game, they were the team. They were the coaches that would represent the Pro Bowl in terms of the coaches. We that year we were fifteen and one, so we had a ton of of uh, players going to the Pro Bowl. So it turns out we had the ownership that went, the owners, the Rooney family, the head coaches. We had eight or nine players that went to the Pro Bowl that year. So we had a Steeler luau out there in Hawaii, and. Two of the guys came up to me and said, man, it's going to be a shame that you're going, we're going to go to the Super Bowl next year in Detroit and you're not going to be there. And I didn't, I didn't, had not realized, didn't even think that the Super Bowl was in my hometown the next year. And I gave it some thought and then I said, man, this was a good team. Maybe I can give it one more year. So I decided to try to play one more year. And, and as it happened, 
that was the year. Go out with a bang. I was I was one hundred percent done after that. Like I had nothing left. It was like <laughs> I was running on fumes. But how were you able to, you know, to answer that, to follow up? How were you able to kind of get yourself back in that mode for 16, 17 weeks plus playoffs? Yeah, that was that was the hard part because once you once you tell yourself you're done to try to restart the engines, that is a hard thing yeah, to do sir. because it, it, it's you know it's I, I I would go train in St. Louis with uh, Bobby Kersey, uh, Jackie Jordan Kersey's husband. He was a trainer, so I would train with him, and I was in St. Louis. It's ninety five degrees, and I'm saying to myself, "What am I doing out here? I don't want to be out here. This sucks, right? I should be retired. I should be somewhere chilling right now, right? Swinging a golf club. I don't need to be out here." And so that was that was my thought. And I, you know, I kept getting more and more pissed off because I'm out here and it's 100 degrees and I'm I'm going two a days and I'm on a track running, and so I had to convince myself that you know what, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to be all in. Right. I got to commit myself, and so I had that conversation with myself and said, "Listen, you decided that you wanted to play one more year, so you got to you got to do what you have to do to be ready." Mm-hmm. And at that point. I kind of changed gears and, and got got in shape and got myself ready, but it was really hard because I, for a while there, I was ready to, to to pack it in. I think you would agree with me when I say this. I know I know that you said going through the season, it, it's tough. Like you said, refocus, probably game to game, but it's something about the playoffs. You're beat up all season. Uh, oh, I just want to get to the end, and all of a sudden, it's like new life for the playoffs. Re-energized. That's interesting. And the season is the grind. You know, and, and people, they say it, but it actually happens. You know, they say, well, you know, you play the playoffs for free. You actually almost do because <laughs> you, don't get near, you don't get anywhere near what you get normally played during the regular season. <laughs> so you kind of do play for free. But you know what? You wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. And it's that it's that end goal. And that's that's as a kid what you dream about. Right. You don't necessarily dream about you dream about touchdowns or, you know, a dunk or something like you do. But you really dream about, you know, holding the trophy, holding the trophy. And doing all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Because you saw, you know, years and years before, all these guys do it, right? You're like, man, I want that to be me one day. And so that's the kind of thing that gets you going after 16 weeks, after your body's beat up. Uh, that's what keeps you going to say, you know what? We got something left. Let's go and try to win a championship. And right. unfortunately, everybody can't. It just it doesn't happen that way. So it was 12 mm-hmm. years that, um, you know, we left, uh, you know, holding our heads down because, you know, we gave it a shot, but we just weren't good enough. Right. So what was the hardest part for you for adjusting to retirement? Because I know, not to speak for Vince, but he said several times that if he didn't have golf, it would have been a much harder transition, you know, starting to go into retirement. So for you, what was the hardest part of that? Yeah, for, for me, it was, it, it was, you know, not knowing what to do with the time that I had because all of our time was always structured. To a degree, it's like, okay, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. And then the offseason, you know, I, I had the offseason structured. I gave myself two weeks to try to just do whatever I wanted to do. And then I had to get back into it gradually. And, you know, for the first three weeks, I would be doing this. I would just kind of low impact, ride the bike. And next couple of weeks, I'd do this. And so I would kind of build up to the season. And then when it's over, it's like, okay, well. I don't have to build up to nothing. <laughs> okay, I had to build up the level. It's like, what are you gonna do? So, so for me, it was, you know, it was interesting because I had just had uh, a daughter, and uh, my daughter was one years old. So I, I was transitioning. I had just got married. So, so I was transitioning to a new life, 
but there was still a ton of time uh, that I had in my hands. And so actually golf is really what saved me as well. So what I started doing was I started to go to the range every single day because I really wasn't that good. But I said to myself, you know, it's now I'm retired. I'm have to do all these pro-ams. All these people are going to see me play golf. I need to figure out, you know, how to play. So I started going every single day. I would go hit, uh, you know, a bucket and a half of balls. And then after about, you know, the first year, then I started getting more instruction as to, hey, you know, the coaches, well, this is what you need to do. This. And so the golf became kind of my release because it wasn't, I didn't know a lot of people in, in Atlanta because I had just moved to Atlanta. My family was in Detroit. You know, I had been in Pittsburgh for 10 years. So coming to, to Atlanta, I didn't know that many people. So it was really an isolated scenario, but golf really saved the day because it gave me a chance to really uh, uh, focus on and still be competitive. And I think mm -hmm. as, as competitors, we all want to have an opportunity to compete because with golf, the one thing that golf reminds us about all the sports that we play is one, we're competing against ourselves, and, and it's, that's the first uh, internal fight that we always have because we mm -hmm. always, uh, when we, in our particular sport, we do the same thing. We're competing against ourselves first. And then we compete outwardly. And so that gives you a chance to really do a little bit of both uh, because you're never as good as you think you are. Uh, and golf always humbles you. And that's what keeps you coming back because you, you want to be better. You think you're better. Uh, and golf quickly smacks you in the face and brings you back to reality. And that, that, that's what gets you back up wanting to do it again. Where's your handicap right now? It's a six. I'm, I'm okay. mad at What's yours, Vince, again? I'm at a seven. So y'all are pretty equal then? No. Pretty close. He, he got me. <laughs> I'm getting there. Y'all need to play golf then. We've played. Oh, wait, you got to remember, played. he's just retired. I've been right. retired for 14 years. He's going on 15 years. So, I mean, if, if, if I wasn't a little bit, I'd be pissed off because it'd be a huge <laughs> waste of time. Right. That's true. Hey JV, let me tell you something. Soon, soon as I my, my days uh, we went into the uh, the halt, <laughs> and he'll tell you the next day, boy. He said, "Bitch, what you doing?" <laughs> yeah, all right. He's on the golf course. <laughs> on the course, absolutely. Yeah, man. I was like, it's time to get better. I'm trying to get like in in the low low digits. You know, I'm trying to get scratched. So one of these days, we're we're a little short on time, so I'm gonna fly through these questions, and then we can talk a little bit about you and Vince. But I want to know. So during your cameo in the office, Michael Scott said that your nickname was the bus because you were afraid of flying. Take us back to the first time someone called you the bus and kind of how that stuck. And if it, I'm assuming it's not because you're afraid of flying. Yeah. So the first time I was called the bus was when I was at Notre Dame. And Which, by the way, let's say that it, it wasn't the ACC at that time for all these young folks. No, no, no. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I, I was at Notre Dame and some somebody wrote an article in the student body newspaper. And it, and it said something to the extent that I reminded them of bus and and uh, that should be my nickname. And so when we, when I would play in the games, the, the student section, they would have a chant and they would say, nobody stops the bus. And that's what, that's what the chant would be when I would have like a, a big run. And, and so it just started growing and growing and growing. And next thing you know, you know, that that's what everybody, you know, on campus was, was calling me the bus. And, and it just, it kind of stuck. And when I went, but it didn't stick to until I got to Pittsburgh because when I was with the Rams, uh, the nickname was the Battering Ram, and and mm -hmm. so 
when I got to um, Western Pennsylvania, which is a huge Notre Dame following. Bus was back. And that was it. <laughs> I'm, I'm jealous that you got to go in the office. Um, but I want to ask you that obviously the NFL is going on right now. The NBA is in the finals about to wrap their season. They were able to pick up and close the season. So I want to know, Jerome, what do you think about the NFL? I know there was an outbreak with the team recently, but do you think that they're going to be able to finish out the season and be able to do like the NBA did? Yeah, I think they'll they'll finish out the season uh, for one one main reason. One is that it's been negotiated with the Players Association. Now, had this not been a negotiated situation, then yeah, maybe not. The players would maybe rebel and say, "Hey, we're not going to play. The conditions aren't aren't right." But this is uh, ne- was negotiated by the Players Association, and basically the players said, "Hey, if you give us these things, and if you provide this." then we will go out and play. And if these certain things happen, then this is the protocol. So all these things happening have been negotiated. And so everybody understands the parameters, what's happening, and what the consequences are as a result of this. So I don't think you know anything changes. Uh, the, the scary part is if multiple teams, multiple weeks, mm-hmm. then that's, that creates a competitive imbalance because now there may not be enough weeks for, for some teams to have the same amount of games played. Right. Right, and then right. that becomes a slippery slope. And then it, it can end the question. How, like, how do you handle that once it's a bunch of teams, you know? No, yeah, that's the, that's the difficulty. And that's why this is such a critical time because now we've got one team, uh, one, you know, that affects, you know, three teams. It, it affected right. the Minnesota right. Vikings, who they just mm-hmm. played, and it affects mm-hmm. the Pittsburgh Steelers now this week. Mm-hmm. The the Vikings, not so much because they've been testing negative. But the Steelers now, they were going to have a bye week on week seven. Now their bye week has to come week three. Wow. We, and so week four, rather. So it creates a, a issue um, for multiple teams. And so and that's just one team having an issue. Yeah. If you have multiple teams, it's going to create uh, a huge problem uh, in the NFL. So my last question, then we'll let you go. But um, I'm never surprised when Vince brings in a cool guest because he's half man, half amazing. So he knows everyone. But I want to know how you guys know each other, how you guys connected. And then your last uh, last comment of the show is what you think about Vince as an NBA player. First of all, I'm going to answer the, the last one first. Okay, great. I mean, just ridiculous. And I told him when we got a chance to meet over at East Lake, we were playing in the, in the golf event that I had heard about him before he had even graduated from high school. One of my um, college uh, teammates was from that area. I think he went to Ely or one of those. I'm not sure which school he went to down down in uh, in Miami, but he would tell me about this kid, Vince Carter, who could jump out of the gym, right? And I was like, okay. I mean, I think he, he must have been a sophomore or junior at the time because my guy was already in the uh, in college and he was talking about him. So I had I have known about him. And then when I actually saw him, I'll never forget calling my friend. His name is Kevin McDougal. I said, Kev, you weren't lying. Man, this guy's nuts. <laughs> Kevin McDougal. <laughs> You know, having heard of him before he even became uh, the superstar that uh, he would ultimately become, it was pretty neat to kind of follow that trajectory. 
And then, Andy, we have mutual friends and we've been in different places. Uh, you know, you probably don't know it, you know, just, you know, just doing events and whatnot. And we kind of find, like you said, got to meet at Eastlake some, what, a month ago, seems like, or, or a couple of weeks ago. And, and, and it's, it, you know, we have the same interest and love, obviously, of golf. And like I said, our mutual friends that we have love golf. So, I mean, it's a friendship that's, you know, it's like you, you, you see somebody from afar, you admire them, you have appreciation for what they're doing. And now, you know, we connected and it's kind of like, hey, all of these times is like never got the opportunity to kind of hang or golf or whatever. And, and now, you know, here we are. Now you're retired and you can play all the golf you want. What you said. So thank you so much to Jerome for coming on the show. We appreciate you. We appreciate your time. It's been great to hear from another unbelievable athlete. So thank you so much. And we will talk to you soon. The Hall of Famer. And that was another episode of the Winging It podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to... Five stars, good people. Give us five stars. Give us five stars. Leave us a review and let us know via social media who you want to hear on the podcast. And we will talk to you next time. We out.